Dr. Benner with the Shelbourne Knee Center podcast. Welcome to another episode. And today we're going to cover an article review with myself and Scott Bauman from our research office. We're going to review just real quickly how to contact us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram with the handle at the SKC podcast. We also have a Shelbourne Knee Center Facebook page, or you can email us at the SKC podcast at gmail.com. So the topic of today's episodes is going to be covering posterior tibial slope in patients with ACL reconstruction, and it's a paper that uh, our office had uh, had published in the American Journal of Sports Medicine in 2021 with authors of Dr. Shelbourne, Dr. Benner, Jonathan Jones, and Tinker Gray. And I think it's going to be a timely topic. It's one that we have heard from various meetings that we've been to in the past couple of years and in terms of uh, other research groups and other offices measuring posterior tibial slope and looking at the outcomes of patients that have higher or lower slopes after an ACL reconstruction and determining based on those outcomes what to do about it, whether it be a prophylactic uh, osteotomy to correct the slope and mainly a revision setting, but, but even having that discussion in the primary setting. So, uh, without further ado, let's start going over the the uh, article titled "Posterior Tibial Slope in Patients Undergoing Anterior Cruciate Ligament Reconstruction with Patella Tendon Graft." So, Dr. Benner, right off the bat, can you tell us a little bit about how the idea for this paper came to be? There's a big push in orthopedics and among sports medicine surgeons right now to try to maximize ACL reconstruction outcomes. Uh, and a lot of that's focused on surgical technique, where to put the tunnels, what graft to use, what fixation devices to use. Do you need to add other secondary procedures, things like that? One of them being osteotomies. And that's a, an area that is a big focus when it comes to cartilage work, meniscus transplants, cartilage, uh, articular cartilage surgery, uh, and a lot of authors are really focused on alignment as it relates to those and has subsequently then gotten that topic also into ACL reconstruction surgery. And there were some, some research projects that have shown that an increase in posterior slope could increase the anterior directed force of the tibia coming forward against the femur and put ex excess stress on the ACL and potentially cause failure when it comes to the outcomes of ACL surgery. So uh, other authors have even talked about slope decreasing osteotomies to cut the proximal tibia, decrease the proximal tibial posterior slope in order to protect the ACL graft and keep it from re-tearing. So we thought about this in the context of our own practice uh, where we have not done any osteotomies for uh, ACL reconstruction surgeries. And you know, myself and Dr. Shelbourne and our entire research department have really, uh, you know, use that as a central focus of our of our research department to when new things come up and new topics abound where where do those fit into our practice and how does our long-term data uh, really relate to whatever perceived problems there are out there that are causing people to look into other procedures etc such as a slope decreasing osteotomy so that's where this really came from and we wanted to see what we could take from our own experience and uh, comment on whether posterior tibial slope really mattered uh, as much in our opinion or not Staying with the introduction, there's a statement in here about there's been little to no research on looking at the effects of posterior tibial slope and outcomes after ACL surgery in patellar tendon grafts. They're all in mainly hamstring grafts. Now, I just want your opinion on why is that? Is it something where hamstring grafts are just being done at a higher rate, or is it more related to looking at reasons why some patients are going to fail more so than others? Just give your opinion on why there was a, a push to do this, specifically looking at that with patellar tendon grafts. 
A lot of different graft types are available, as you know, quadriceps tendon grafts, hamstring grafts, allografts, and then patella tendon grafts. We have and have have in the past and continue to believe patella tendon grafts to be the gold standard graft, but over time, there's been a pendulum of swung from patella tendons away to towards all soft tissue grafts. Uh, with hamstrings. And then as there have been some studies that have shown increased failure rates with hamstring grafts, then we started to, some people have started to move and gravitate back towards patella tendons or onto quadricep tendons to try to account for that or to add other types of techniques such as anterolateral ligament reconstruction or augmentation with an allograft uh, along with the hamstring graft to try to to try to compensate for what seems to be a pretty reproducible increased failure rate with hamstring grafts. And because of that, people have started to look at factors such as alignment to see whether that uh, makes a big difference. Leo Prochevsky from, from uh, Australia has been a real kind of thought leader in this. And a lot of the data about the impact of posterior tibial slope on ACL graft failure has come from his center. Uh, so I think that he's the one that's been probably talking about this the most with regard to hamstring grafts. Uh, and there are not a bit as many authors talking about it in the context of patellotendin grafts. As a patellotendin graft user myself and Dr. Shelbourne having done uh, six or 7,000 patellotendin grafts, we thought that we had a unique perspective on this to to try to evaluate whether those same relationships that Dr. Pachewski found and his group found in Australia uh, existed in our patients that were done with patella tendon grafts. Excellent. And now that we know why the study was designed and what questions it was trying to answer, can you walk us through the methods of how this study was designed and carried out, including how the population was determined? So we looked at patients with both primary and revision ACL reconstructions that were done with a patella tendon graft. Obviously, the vast majority of them were done with uh, were done were primary reconstructions, about 2,400 of them, and then 320 revision grafts. And we tried to look at them prospectively to look at the graft tear rate, the contralateral ACL tear rate, uh, and really relate that then to the posterior tibial slope. So we measured those on lateral view radiographs with our digital X-ray uh, PAC system, and we drew lines at the top of the tibial plateau and then in line with the long axis of the tibia to try to generate the posterior slope. And then we cross-referenced those to see whether there was a relationship between increases in posterior slope or different different degrees of posterior slope and ACL graft tear risk. Uh, the other thing we wanted to look at was whether this phenomenon of increased posterior slope potentially leading to increased ACL graft tear risk was specific to primary surgery versus revision surgery. In the primary situation, I think most surgeons are probably not going to be thinking about doing a slope decreasing osteotomy of the proximal tibia during a first-time ACL reconstruction. If the graft fails, especially if it fails early, then people, I think, are immediately going to uh, looking for other factors such as collateral ligament laxity or other kind of bony anatomy factors that could potentially play a role in it. And in revision surgery seems to be where some authors would would advocate for using a slope decreasing osteotomy. So we wanted to look at graft tear risk among primary and revision ACL reconstructions, uh, both for the same knee or for the contralateral knee. Going back to how the posterior tibial slope was measured, it, it appears that the medial tibial plateau was going to be the, the focal point as opposed to the lateral. And I know some other papers have really tried to look at the correlation between the posterior tibial slope on the medial side when measuring versus the lateral side. And the decision was made with this paper to go with the medial side. Is that an approach that you've seen uh, be very similar to other research studies or different? Or what's, the, what's your opinion on the two different measure techniques? 
it's just a little more difficult to do on the lateral side. I think with plane radiography, I think it's just a, it's a little bit easier to measure the medial tibial slope. Um, I don't know that necessarily one of them's better than the other. Um, the relationship is still there or not there, uh, kind of regardless of how you measure it. So we chose a little bit different method. We talk about that some in the paper as a as a potentially a limitation. Now, you mentioned one of the outcomes was looking at graft tears or contralateral tear rates. Can you talk about how that was determined in this population? This data was mostly based on subjective surveys that we got back from our patients as part of our long-term longitudinal outcome studies after ACL reconstruction. We set a minimum at four years of follow-up in order to give patients plenty of time to get back to sport, to get back to the maximum level of sport, and potentially have enough athletic exposure where they could tear their graft again if they were going to. Uh, so when we looked at that, we also looked at the mean and we it was the mean follow-up that we had on these patients was 11 and a half years. So it's not a short-term follow-up. It's a long-term study um, to that follow patients for quite some time. Because we send surveys to all of our patients who are enrolled in our study, we got a lot of these surveys back. And even though we had uh, almost 3,000 patients that we were use, that we were looking at in this study. We had about 80% follow-up, which is pretty good for that far out of surgery uh, on ACL outcomes research. So now we know how the study was conducted. Can you tell us a little bit about the results that you found? After primary surgery, we looked at the mean posterior tibial slope for the patients who had graft tears versus the patients who did not have a graft tear. And what we found was a small but statistically significant difference in those. The patients who did who had graft tears had a mean posterior slope of 5.4 degrees, and the patients who did ha who did not have a graft tear had a mean posterior slope of 4.8 degrees. And that was statistically significant, even though it is of a small degree. So when we looked at our patients who had primary ACL reconstruction, we did find a small increase in the rate of graft tears among people who had a larger degree of posterior slope. In the revision situation, however, we did not find that relationship. And when we looked at the mean posterior slope for patients who had a revision ACL reconstruction with a patella tendon graft and had a subsequent graft tear versus those that did not, there was no difference, in the, no statistically significant difference in their mean posterior tibial slope. We then tried to break that down as kind of a threshold level of 10 degrees, which we seemed to find was a breaking point when we looked at the entirety of this data and wanted to see whether above or below 10 degrees of posterior tibial slope was uh, a threshold for, for um, conferring an increased risk of, of graft rupture. So in the primary group, people who had Posterior tibial slope of greater than 10 degrees had a significantly higher graft tear rate than people who had posterior slope less than 9 degrees. The people that were in the greater than 10 degree uh, group had 9.7% graft tears, and the people who had less than 9 had 4.8%. So about half as many people retore their graft if they had a posterior slope of less than 9 in the primary situation. If we looked at patients who had revision ACL reconstruction, that threshold value that was statistically significantly different in the primary situation was not in the revision situation. When it came to tearing the opposite ACL after the ACL reconstruction, posterior tibial slope was not a statistically significant factor. So the thought in that analysis was that if people would have a higher risk of a graft tear if they had a higher posterior tibial slope, then they probably would have a higher risk of contralateral ACL tear because they have that same anatomic predisposition on the opposite side. However, in both the primary and the revision situation, there was no statistically significant difference in contralateral ACL tear rates, despite what the posterior slope was. 
in addition to having these patients have a lot of long follow-up, 11.6 years mean follow-up, the mean age was relatively young. So these people were young, active people uh, who would be more likely uh, to re-tear their ACL. Something we can cover in another episode subsequently, our own data as well as others that show that people who are playing high school and collegiate athletics are more likely to have uh, recurrent ACL tear or contralateral ACL tear just by their young age and their athletic exposures. But uh, the contralateral tear rates were not statistically significantly different. Excellent. I, I think those results are great. I, I think this paper clearly shows that there is a statistically significant but small clinical uh, significance difference in the primary setting in terms of the posterior slope. And from the rate of graft tear standpoint, there's uh, increased risk of graft tears for those with posterior tibial slope greater than 10 versus being less than 10. Um, but knowing those results in both settings, with the primary setting as well as the revision setting, what's the take-home message with this? Or what's the clinical relevance that you want surgeons to take from this from this data? Well, there's two major things that I think, two or three things that I think are important to highlight. One is I think we can confirm and agree with other authors that posterior tibial slope does seem to be a statistically significant factor when it comes to the risk of an, having an ACL graft tear. The people who have higher degrees of posterior tibial slope, especially when you get higher than 10 degrees, which we used in a threshold in our study, or 12 degrees, which I believe Dr. Pacheski used in his study, that there is an increased risk of ACL graft tear, which uh, we, we would definitely agree with. I think the difference in our study and why we did the study was to see whether there was a different kind of dose-dependent relationship between patella tendon grafts or hamstring grafts. In previous studies with posterior tibial slope and hamstrings, there's been a very significant difference between the low posterior tibial slope group and the high posterior tibial slope group with regard to ACL graft tear risk. And while ours is statistically significant with patella tendon grafts, I think it's a much lower magnitude. Secondly, we have to also put this into context of the surgery that we're doing for these for these patients. I don't think many people are advocating doing a slope decreasing proximal tibial osteotomy in the seg in the setting of a primary ACL reconstruction uh, in, a, in an athlete. So I think this really comes more into play in the revision situation. And in the revision situation, if somebody has a failure, especially early, then you start going to look for other factors. And if posterior tibial slope is found to be one, that the patient has a high degree of posterior tibial slope in the revision situation, I think that's where surgeons may discuss or think about whether an osteotomy would be the right move. However, with patella tendon grafts, at least, we did not find that to be a statistically significant factor in the revision situation, that revision surgery did not have a higher risk of failure or subsequent tear if there was a higher degree of oste a higher degree of posterior tibial slope. Because of that, we would not recommend that patients who are having revision ACL reconstruction have a slope-decreasing osteotomy because we did not find that to be a statistically significant factor in graft tear risk. We did find that in primary ACL reconstruction. However, we do not recommend primary surgery for an ACL reconstruction to be accompanied by a proximal tibial osteotomy in any situation because it does increase the rehab rehabilitation burden on the patient. It's much more restrictive in the early time after surgery with weight bearing and range of motion restrictions, which could lead to stiffness, which we know from Dr. Shelbourne's data from our office that can lead to long-term problems. If there's anything that really puts us at more likely, uh, more likely chance of range of motion loss, that's something we want to try to avoid. 
Well, I'm glad you said magnitude too. And, and one thing when I was reading through this again, and, and something that I took home was just the overall low incidence of retail rates for patellar tendon grafts. One of the references from the study that's listed here, patients that have greater than 12 degrees posterior slope and hamstring grafts after 20 years, there was a survival rate of 22%. So I, I think just the, the magnitude of incidence rates of graft tears between the two graft choices is a big factor here as well, especially when you're talking about, well, what's the fix to try to prevent more graft tears? And you're talking about some type of osteotomy, especially in the revision setting. That's a pretty big surgery. And, and that's, that's to to solve the problem of what we're seeing here with hamstring grafts at a survival rate that low. But when the, when the incidence rate is still less than 10, even at its highest, I think everybody would agree that that's still, from a relative standpoint, pretty low and maybe not worth jumping to a more significant surgery in the osteotomy. Definitely. And I think we do have to acknowledge that our study went out to 11 years on average, whereas Dr. Pacheski's study had a group that went over 20 years. So his study did follow a large group of patients a little bit later in life to see if there was ongoing risk of failure due to the posterior tibial slope. However, we've shown with patella tendon grafts, the majority of the retears or graft failures, if they do happen, happen relatively early after surgery. And that's just a, a function of athletic exposure that while people are younger and are still engaging in competitive activities, basketball, volleyball, football, soccer, you know, high-risk sports, that they're most at risk. In this patient population that we had, there was a mean age of 24 years, and then we followed them for 11 years. So on average, these patients are getting into their 30s um, before they had their follow-up that, that was in this study. I don't think that following that group out for another 10 years from their mid-30s to their mid-40s should make a big difference in their outcomes because we know that ACL graft tears with patella tendon grafts are un very uncommon once you get past 25, once you get out of competitive athletics. Excellent. Those are great points, great data, great paper. I uh, really enjoyed going over this, and uh, thanks for giving us all the insight as one of the authors of this paper. And that wraps up th today's episode, looking at posterior slope and ACL outcomes. Join us again next week for our next episode. And if you want to try to contact us in the meantime, you can find us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at the SKC podcast. We have the Shelbourne Knee Center Facebook page, which you can find on that social media platform, or you can email us the SKC podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. <laughs>